All right, happy Monday. Glad you are with us. Hope you have a great, great weekend. Uh, 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, John Solomon, big breaking news today. We'll get to that with Greg Jarrett. Laura Trump uh, and Amy Kramer both join us. Uh, Of course, Kylie works on our show now, Amy's daughter. But Kylie is not my employee because Linda thinks she's in control of everybody. You know, I'm not the boss of the show. I don't, I don't think I'm in control. I know. Yeah, I'm whatever. Control. Okay, uh, you you can keep deluding yourself. Go ahead, live in. I'm not deluded like at Joe all. I'm Biden. a full strength kind of gal. <laughs> and anyway, so the president. This is this, it's so funny. All right, oh, here's a question. So when in eighty what he had eighty five people sleepy creepy uncle crazy uncle Joe in Iowa. And he was like missing for that 10 day period. People like Hannity are speculating on the health of, of Uncle Joe, crazy Joe Biden. I'm like, no. I'm like, why is he disappearing? If he doesn't have the energy at this point to, to, to fight and that his speech in Iowa, he mentions Trump 76 times. In a single day, 76 times. Donald is- Trump and I are both in town today. Everybody knows who Donald Trump is. Trump, Trump, Trump's goal is simple. Donald Trump, but he's the president. Trump's tariffs, Trump, while Trump is tweeting, now he barely mentions the facts. While Trump, he doesn't even tweet about it anymore. President Trump, is this president Trump? The tax cut he passed. President Trump, Trump, his policies, Trump, he thinks Trump doesn't see it that way. Trump, what has Donald Trump done? Did he do anything Donald Trump? His alliance with Trump, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, Trump, Trump, the president, he said, quote, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. No, you don't, Donald Trump. I mean, it's like Trump lives in people's heads. That's the most amazing part of it all. Um, and I, if if that's what creepy, crazy, sleepy Uncle Joe thinks that is going to win him the presidency, all I'm saying is, and I mean this sincerely, it's not an analysis. I have no idea what his health is in any way, shape, matter, or form, none whatsoever. But it doesn't look like he's engaged, doesn't look like he's excited, and nor does he come off as exciting to anybody. Um, when he was in Philly, man, that was supposed to be the big, big, second, big, big, big announcement that, that Crazy Uncle Joe's running. And Linda, you're from Philly. That didn't that area have the ability, potential to hold what, a hundred, hundred and twenty thousand people, right? Oh yeah, that easily. Right. All right. So Biden and what was it, six hundred people there? Six a thousand? I don't even think he reached that much. So so Biden has his big official campaign kickoff. The first rally, maybe a pathetic six hundred people show up. If that's your crowd on day one. I mean, there there have been there have been press reports that Robert Francis, you know, Beto, Bozo, O'Rourke has has had three people show up at his events. I, I mean, that's how bad it is. Nobody's interested. Now, I will I will concede the fact Obama had this phenomenon: hope and change and teleprompters and excitement and and there was there was an energy to the campaign. He didn't say anything of of substance, significance. Didn't have any background experience. You know, the media gave him a total, complete pass. They were willing accomplices like they always are, just like they've tried to take down President Trump. And yet we got what we deserved. I mean, and if it's creepy, sleepy, crazy Uncle Joe, it's going to be, yeah, all right, how many million more Americans are going to be on food stamps? And how many millions of Americans will be thrown back into poverty? And, you know, how dependent will we once be on 
foreign oil. We're now energy independent for the first time in 75 years. Uh, the border wall will, will not be finished. And he's not going to do anything about it. And I, I guess the biggest, happiest recipients of Biden being back in office will be the mullahs in Iran that'll end up getting more, you know, cash and other currencies and cargo planes of money, begging them to be nice to us. And please, 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 whatever. I mean, so he can't get 600 people. So the president now will announce tomorrow that he is running for reelection officially. He's doing it down in Orlando. Uh, I am told now that the official request for tickets is is well over 120, maybe closer to 150 by now. I don't know. Ticket requests for, I believe, an arena that that has room for 20, 25,000 people. And, and I just heard from a friend of mine on the ground that has been covering. He says, you can't believe the lines here already. I mean, it's, it's again, it's it's massive. So if like if you have a ticket and you want to get into this arena tomorrow, you pretty much have to start getting in line now. I mean, that's what it's that's what it means. Now, do, does crowd size mean definitely? Well, here's the headline. Trump supporters already lining up for campaign kickoff more than 40 hours before the rally. I, I mean, and I saw this when we were in Cape Girardeau. Linda, you were there. Sweet baby, you were there. I mean, do you remember we it, people had been and outside? It was pouring rain then too. In the pouring rain, and today it's pouring rain in Orlando. I wonder if these people brought like an extra bunch of clothing. You know, you could take a little, you know, shower. Orlando has this very strange weather, these strange weather patterns. I mean, and I know from all the years, you know, going down there, taking my kids when they were young to Disney, which, by the way, is a nightmare if you're a parent. It's the greatest thing in the world for your kids, but it's a nightmare. Um, but anyway, but I remember I don't turn in the afternoon and boom, you know, lightning and and a downpour, which you kind of need. It cools off the air, which is great. And you got like it hits the ground and all of a sudden like heat comes up because it's cooling the ground. And it's almost a relief. I remember, you know, Disney, they, you'd get these, I don't know, pull over like, you know, hefty bags that you'd put on with Mickey Mouse's face on it, of course, and it was yellow, and everybody would still keep going on their rides, and you get soaking wet, but nobody cared. Um, and then sometimes they go away really quick. But so I don't know what they're going to do in an arena that holds, I think, somewhere around 20, 25,000 people. It's not scheduled to start until 8 o'clock tomorrow night. And I mean, it's sort of like a... In one article I read, it was like a scene befitting a Star Wars premiere or a new iPhone launch because the Orlando media were reporting that the first Trump supporters, you know, they were there 2.30 a.m. this morning. This doesn't start till 8 p.m. on Tuesday. And so, you know, if you have requests for 150 plus thousand people, what are you going to do when you can only take maybe 20 people in there, 20,000 people? Um, but my source on the ground said, well, what they're going to do is they're now going to, they're going to figure out a way to maybe the, the people can stay outside and then the media wouldn't show it anyway. And there's not one person on the Democratic ticket that's running now that could ever get this kind of crowd. It's not because what they're doing is the same crap that they've always done. And nobody ever discussed the, the horrific record of Biden and Obama. I'm just going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to revisit and bring back up my list.
because we can add to it the Russia hoax, the the manipulation of the hostile actor Putin and the hostile regime of Russia all happened under Biden Obama's watch. The abuse of power happened under their watch. The corruption under their watch. It didn't happen under Trump's watch. And then, of course, you know, the FISA abuse, the rigged Hillary investigation, and then the spying on the Trump campaign from multiple directions, you know, the premeditated fraud on FISA court judges, that all happened under their watch. The insurance policy happened under their watch. I mean, they literally spied on the Trump campaign, the Trump transition, and the Trump presidency. So, you know, this is, I guess, but I, when you have the best jobs environment, which we do now have since 1969, I mean, the, the New York Mets won the World Series. That's how far back it goes. And that was kind of the miracle of 69. And... I'm eight years old. I could tell you the entire Mets lineup, which Linda looks at me, rolls her eyes and says, you are really old. I <clears> did not. Yes, you just did. Why do you lie to the audience? You just, I saw you do it. Definitely not. Maybe you're not self-aware of these reactions you give, but you just rolled your eyes. Like, oh, gosh. I think you're getting old and you're seeing things. <laughs> you can't help. <laughs> I just rendered Can you Can we silent? bring back special <laughs> staff sergeant, our, our friend, Senior, so can, senior master seniors. sergeant DT. You should be DT. used to the word Can we bring senior. him back? Because I honestly want him to give you another beatdown like he did, which was amazing. He texts but, and, me daily. Trust me, I get a beatdown. So let me tell you, but you know, we have great today, quote, more unexpectedly great economic news. Well, we have the great economic news because we already have record low unemployment for all the people the Democrat always seem to care about. And that's, you know, African-Americans, record low unemployment, Hispanic-Americans, record low, Asian-Americans, record low, women in the workplace, record low, youth unemployment. Youth unemployment matters because that means kids can get a job in the summer, and that means that that keeps them out of trouble. I know it kept me out of a lot of trouble. Now we have retail sales increasing in May. Sales for the prior month were revised higher, which means that, oh, we might not be having the slowdown that they've been predicting forever. And so it's going to be fun to watch this thing tomorrow night. And, you know, how is any of these Democrats, where do you stand on the border? Um, walls are immoral. Um, yet we have 90% of the heroin crossing that border, coming into this country, killing 300 people a week. Where do you stand on the Trump tax cuts that have spurred this, this economic miracle that we never got in the eight failed years of Biden-Obama? Are you going to, you going to, oh, we heard what Elizabeth Warren she she wants a wealth tax remember they want the wealth tax after the 70 percent top marginal rate that they'll bring back and the 90 percent you know top corporate marginal tax rates all that's going to do is tell every business get out of America and build your factories and manufacturing centers elsewhere the opposite of what we've experienced under Donald Trump and ruin the opportunity. What are we going to say now? Oh, we're going to put back in place all these stupid environmental laws that prevent us from being energy independent. So we'll get back on our hands and knees again, begging countries to to please, you know, uh, sell us more oil when they hate us and manipulate the prices. And we know they hate us and the pipelines will stop and the energy jobs will be removed, which I talked a lot about last week. You know, what's their plan? 
you know, Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, and it's so funny that the president sets everybody up last week. What was the answer? Oh, I saw the ratings for Friday. I got the preliminary numbers. Oh, a disaster. An unmitigated disaster for Georgie Little Stephanopoulos. Oh, I mean, when the president's called into my show, I've gotten more more people watching than what he had Friday night. And all of well, what did the president say? Well, if they call me, meaning some outside country, if they call me, Hillary called. Oh, let's see. The firm that hired Christopher Steele with the Russian lies, or as the New York Times says, likely uh, Russian disinformation from the beginning. She paid for after she cheated Bernie Sanders, after she had her investigation for the crime she committed fixed. You know, how are they going to answer these questions about the border, about energy, about, you know, abortion? How are they going to how are they going, you know, to advance this idiocy? which we call the New Green Deal, which even Joe Biden, we've got so many clips of Ocasio-Cortez today, the real leader of the Democratic Party. All right, as we uh, roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the uh, program. I want to go over some of those Ocasio-Cortez things. What have I been saying about her? I've been saying, okay, she is the real leader of the Democratic, the new radical extreme Democratic Socialist Party, Nancy Pelosi is not the speaker, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is Pelosi's speaker in name only. She was on with uh, Jonathan Carl this weekend. She's obsessed with impeaching the president. This is political suicide. Let me play it for you. Pelosi, though, Speaker Pelosi has really held her line on this. Um, how is that flying with progressives? Well, you know, I think for me, this question has should not be about polls. It should not be about elections. Um, I think that that impeachment is is incredibly serious. And this is about the presence and evidence that the president may have committed a crime in this case, more than one. And so I believe that that our decision on impeachment should be based in our constitutional responsibilities and duties and not in elections or polling. That being said, with the increase in polls, I think the American people are now recognizing in in a much broader scale, the depth and the severity of the misconduct coming out of the White House and uh, a demand to protect our institutions and protect the rule of law in the United States and, and at least opening an inquiry into uh, into possible misconduct. Uh, at least open an inquiry into the possible. Well, you open the inquiry. We've had four, four separate conclusive investigations into the same matter. And remember, the president never invoked, never once, executive privilege, even allowing Don McGahn, the White House counsel, 30 hours before Mueller. That's insane to me. And encouraged everybody to cooperate with Congress. They did with with Mueller's office and his merry band of Democratic donors and Hillary Clinton lovers. And, you know, it's still the same conclusion. Now they're saying enough is enough, which, by the way, it's how many more investigations do they want? You know, it's what are they ever going to do for the men and women in this country that deserve to be served by political by politicians that are supposed to serve the people? And what is it? Uh, Twenty five now till the top of the hour. Eight hundred nine four one. By the way, the numbers are worse than I thought. I stand corrected. The. The Daily Caller, I guess they got these numbers, TV by the numbers. Now, look, 
I don't come on the air every day and say thank you for making us the number one show on cable. Maybe I should, because it's just the reality when you work in radio and TV that you have to have viewers, listeners to stay on the air. It's just a fact because that it, it, at the end of the day, there's a business side to all of this that you've got to keep. You know, those TV studios are really expensive to build that we work in, and same with these radio studios and. There's a lot that goes on in terms of engineering and a lot of costs associated with it. And by the way, I'm not crying poverty for any of these people in in TV or radio. I think almost everybody's overpaid and and most of them are lazy, overpaid, pompous and full of themselves. That's why we never go to correspondence dinners because we know who they are. Um, And, you know, when you think of other you know i look i understand in baseball look at baseball how many guys can hit a 100 mile an hour fastball not that many i mean i could sit there all day and i might get the bat on it um maybe when i was younger i'd get the bat on it i played sports my whole life and there's only so many people that can you know that have the stamina the strength the ability to hit these three point shots that are unbelievable hockey same thing pick the sport the amount of time, effort, dedication that goes into being a professional. Like John Isner's a friend of mine. He plays tennis. I mean, the guy serves. Yeah, I think is he now has the record for serving, you know, some insane number of like 156 miles an hour. I mean, that's nuts. But, you know, you're, you can't, you, you're there. You can't even tell if the ball is in or out because it passed you so fast. Um, but yeah, but I know from being friends with John Isner, um, all the work goes in behind the scenes. A lot of people think, oh, I can be a radio TV talk show host. <clears throat> well, you can, um, but you're going to work harder behind the scenes than you're going to work in front of the camera or in front of a microphone. And, and that's why we're kind of very proud here on this program that we've been able, we always go our own way. We don't follow the media mob. I don't even like to see or watch these low-rated shows. You know, we had Jim Acosta's people literally harassing us to be on TV and radio. And I'm like, no, you're not coming on, you know, 16 of the the 118 of the best radio stations, 618 of the best radio stations in the country. Um, and you're not coming on the number one show in cable because you work at the lowest-rated cable network. Go sell your garbage your psychotic rage against Trump so on your own network. And for whatever reason, it's like, well, you know, you know what it is. He wants me to talk about him, so I'm wasting my time. But he thinks I saw him one day. And, and if I did see him, I don't remember. And if I did see him, I'm not sure what he expected, that I would go up to him and say, you're the biggest liar, and like in, on a bus full of people, apparently. Um, that's not how I roll. You want to have a conversation with me? I, he could have come up to me and said, my name is Jim Acosta. And I would have said, fake news. My name is Sean Hannity. Real news. Yeah, whatever I would have said. Do you remember, by the way, uh, Linda, I'm not sure if you went to Geraldo's book party. Remember I went to that? Because we love Geraldo. He's great. Yeah, he's awesome. And so, and remember I was there. There's some guy from CNN. And so I'm walking in, and I mean, there's a lot of paparazzi. I mean, it's a Geraldo event. Of course, there's cameras everywhere. And, and by the way, God bless him. He's going to celebrate, if you can believe it, 50 years in television. And he, he, the work that he's done cumulatively over his career, and I know people take shots at him. Oh, Al Capone's vault, vault big deal. 
um, or the fact that he t- beat the crap out of some skinheads and had a broken nose. I thought that was awesome that Geraldo could th- throw down the way he did. Didn't you think that? I, that never bothered me. I thought it was great. It shows he's, he's a very tough reporter. He was doing things live on camera way ahead of anybody else. Well, what he did, I think some of his best work, and I actually told him I want to, on his 50th year anniversary, I want to do a one-hour special. I want to de- dedicate a big part of it um, to what he did. There was a, 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 a place in New York called Willowbrook, and it was... I don't know the, all the politically correct terms for people that are mentally challenged. And it was the most disgusting, mo- the, the inhumane. I mean, the treatment would shock the conscience and soul of any decent human being because you had all of these wonderful human beings that were literally sitting in rooms, you know, dozens and dozens of them naked urinating defecating no love no medication no no cleanliness i mean it was it was you can't even imagine that happened in america he exposed the whole thing to the world and became you know 2020's biggest star when that show went on the air and he's had so much success over the years and he deserves a lot more credit i think than he ever gets and i just want to be able to do that Anyway, so ratings matter. Audiences matter. That's part of our job. And we try to do the show informative, entertaining. And one of the things we really try to what we do to define ourselves and distinguish ourselves from other people and whatever it is they're doing every day is that we don't follow this media mob, corrupt, biased, abusively biased journalism is dead media. I mean, they have spent and this is no hype. There's no hyperbole here. They have lied to you. They have. Well, not really you, because probably most of you have figured out a long time ago that they do lie. Most of the people in this audience have figured out that they don't tell the truth, that they have a political agenda. And we now know that they ran with a hoax. They ran with conspiracy theories they ran with outright lies. They were giddy with excitement. I mean, giddy with excitement over the notion and idea that they thought they would take down a duly elected president. Because, of course, we're the smelly Walmart people. Well, first of all, I like Walmart. I like Kmart. I like Target. I like, you know, all those stores. You know, Costco's is like the most amazing place. Don't you like Costco's the best? And as Clark Howard, my friend down in Atlanta, would say, you can go into a Costco's. He actually got his wedding engagement ring for his wife at Costco's. And it was very expensive, but he got a better deal. I mean, and and Neil, uh, and you know, Neil used to always rub, Neil Bortz would rub, you know, go after Clark all the time because Clark was smart with his money. And that's anybody he taught other people how to be smart with their money. Um, anyway, so we all live and die by this system of, of ratings, etc. And but I'm looking at this. I'm stunned. He had 3.9. This is Sunday night on a network. Now I work on cable TV, and that was, by the way, I didn't understand about Howard Stern when we were fighting. Remember, Linda, we were fighting that idiot Jimmy Kimmel when he made fun of Melania oh, reading yeah. a story to kids. That I mean, he's such a jerk and a jackass. There's nothing funny about it. 
you know, we have no problem with people making fun of us or or whatever. I don't care. That switch doesn't exist to me. But he was just being a jackass and mean and really. So here's the first lady literally helping kids. And she speaks five languages. Um, English is not her first language, her fifth. And like at the tender age of nine, 17 was out on her own earning money and in a very tough business of modeling, et cetera, et cetera. And that jackass is making fun of, you know, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not putting up with this crap. And then I started pulling out all his old little tactics that he would use on the man show, which by the way, in this politically correct world that he and other liberals helped create, um, I'm not, I wasn't going to let him get away with it. And I remember I, I literally hashtag Disney where he works every single day. Remember that? That was by design. And do I, I? I do indeed. And then, so he goes on Howard, and I like Howard Stern. Howard Stern started at the bottom. Howard Stern is enormously successful. He's smart, entertaining, funny, insightful. Frankly, we're all jealous because he's the only guy that can get away with saying what he wants to say. And I hate even bringing that to anyone's attention because then people will start paying attention and say, oh, we, he's so politically incorrect. He's funny because he's so politically incorrect, but he's friends, I guess, with Kimmel. But he's also been doing this for years. I mean, he set the bar. Yeah. And this is what I didn't understand because Stern knows ratings. He gets it. At least I thought he did. And he's like, well, Han why are you fighting Hannity? He goes, um... I wouldn't waste my time fighting Hannity. Hannity's on cable. Hannity, you know, I mean, he probably would die to be on a network. Well, number one, and you know this story is absolutely true, Linda. I was offered jobs on networks, big jobs. Not lately, by the way. This goes back a while. And I said, no way. I don't want to be there. We get three times the amount of viewers this idiot his buddy Kimmel gets on any given night. And I'm like, no, I don't. That's like I don't they don't understand the Trump voter. They do not understand the average American and what they want to watch. But but Howard was a guy that always understood because he was a guy that grew up and literally, you know, like his uh, movie Private Parts, I identify with because I did the same thing. I lived in a, I worked in this small market for free. Got my first professional radio job. Okay, 19 grand a year. I was I was like him now the weather you know we, we everyone starts in radio and you try to be that radio guy and then eventually you become yourself as hopefully at some point and then you're you're real he and by the way he doesn't even do the sex crap that much anymore he does it but it's not like it doesn't define his show if you listen to it and you know he just talked about you the other day oh yeah what now no because a caller called in um i was listening uh on sirius right and uh he said something like i think he had just interviewed uh bill maher right and they were talking about bill maher and the fact that i guess by the way bill maher and i hate each we hate each other I, correct but they had a, a quick discussion about the fact that you had supported bill maher and the fact that you know yes you, i did you know, and we have many times supported people that we do not agree with because we, you know, observe their right to say what they want to say, how they no, want I to say I, it. And it but, was but, me. but let me tell you. So, right. long story so here comes short, the shot. Go ahead. Comes, no, no, no. This caller calls up and he goes, oh, I really liked your interview with Bill Maher. How come you never interview Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity? And Howard goes, I would love to interview Sean Hannity. I would love to interview Rush Limbaugh. I would love, you know. And well, he does he not to, remember? You know, I He w was on my radio show. Oh, he and remembers. He, and then, he, But by the way, then he did the TV show. And by the way, he's a phenomenal interview. 
He doesn't like to do interviews. Like, I don't like to do interviews. I hate doing interviews. I'm sick of doing interviews. I used to remember I used to get up and do these stupid morning shows, the Today Show, Good Morning America, and that idiot show, The View. I'm like, I'm sitting there next to Rosie O'Donnell. I'm literally, literally saying to myself, You almost did it again. We had to have an I audience know. intervention. It was pretty dicey. I was going to, well, I don't remember why I was going to do I think I was going to do it as a favor to Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Who no, I no, like. no. This was post Elizabeth. This was just you being too nice, and we all had to have a come to Jesus. And I said, No, 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 no. Yeah, but Howard worked his way up. Howard played his dues. You know, that all that stuff that he, he, you see in that movie of his, which was great. That was my life. You know, I wasn't getting paid money when I got in radio. I just knew whatever reason when that light comes on, I just go. And I just went from the first day I was on. And then I tried to be Bob Grant for a while. And I just, that's not my style. And then eventually you fall into your own style and you become yourself and you realize being yourself is the best person, best way you can be. Anyway, and but he said to Kimmel and it shocked me. He's like, well, Hannity probably is just jealous that he's not on a network. Now, I just would say to Kimmel, you need to ask Bob Iger a question about me and him and a conversation that we had about Jimmy. That's all I'm going to say on that. Should we play like like eerie music after this or something like dun, no. dun, dun? No, but here's the deal. No, I'm not, he, he, his audience is minuscule. And the same with Colbert's audience. And the same with, this drives me nuts. And the same with um, Fallon's audience. I, I always liked Leno, and everyone wanted to be. Leno killed and crushed Letterman. Letterman just became bitter and nasty. He was, at one point, he was great. Then he became all political and just was, he was becoming a pompous jerk. And his new show with that stupid beard of his, I mean. He's got a beard. <laughs> you didn't see that? No, you haven't who? seen David Letterman. He does. Oh my gosh, you serious? You can't be that out of touch. Well, I, like I, you know, I'm I'm watching. Well, here's the thing news, that I did, like but I, but I, but I like Howard and respect him because that because I kind of identified him with that life. Here's the thing I never understood. So he goes. Over oh to, my god! I just saw it. Katie just showed it to me. Oh, oh my! You never god. saw that. He's got this dopey oh, show on no, Netflix. He doesn't have a friend in the world. It's not good. It's it, it, you know, it's not great. I'll tell you. Anyway, I don't think it's great. So last thing is, but when I interviewed Howard, the thing that shocked me the most is that here's a guy that made, I think, $500 million when he goes over to Sirius. And by the way, really helped build them. And you know what? Terrestrial radio was killing him because he's just, they were after him all the time, which I thought was wrong. It was people like me and Rush that defended that idiot Bill Maher. I'll defend Jimmy Kimmel's right to be an idiot. He's not funny to me. But you know what? It's conservatives that stand up for free speech. But we got all these liberals. Nobody ever stands up on the left except, to his credit, Marr. And will say, this is total BS. You know, let's stop with the you know, the thought police. And my my answer to it is, if you don't like what you're listening to, if you don't like what you're seeing, turn the dial. It's not, and by the way, I don't want you to do that. Stephanopoulos only got 3.9 million viewers. When the president called into my show on a phone, both times we beat that number. That's how bad ABC is with Stephanopoulos. That an impeachment inquiry 
is warranted based on what you understand and what has come out in the Mueller report. Absolutely. Chris, I'm not a political person. I'm not a political operative. I respect uh, the House leadership and the fact that they may be considering, you know, a lot of uh, polls and, uh, and, and political strategy in the way they're figuring out what to do next. That's not my business. My business is investigations, evidence, finding information and exposing that information when when the American public has a right to know it. I think we are clearly there with the results of the special counsel team. There are so many witnesses who could provide important, essential testimony to Congress that can only be done in the scope of an impeachment inquiry. I think that action should be taken immediately, and I think people should finally hear for themselves exactly what those witnesses have to say. Whether or not that results in articles of impeachment and a trial in the Senate and all those sorts of things is beside the point. Oh, okay. Andy McCabe, sure. Let's let's have a fifth investigation. Uh, meanwhile, there was a criminal referral against him. And a very interesting thing just so happened to be timed the day that Robert Mueller had his nine and a half minute little press conference that five hours later, uh, he said in a letter from the special counsel's office, along with the attorney general, Bill Barr. Uh, yeah, never mind everything I just said earlier in the day that got the media so hyped up, hysterical and crazy uh, is not true that we couldn't come to a conclusion because of DOJ policy and constitutional issues surrounding whether you can or cannot indict a sitting president. When I said over and over again, that was not a consideration, uh, even though I well, backtracked at my own press conference, reading somebody else's handwritten notes poorly because I had no idea what was in it. That's what it seemed like to me. Now, Andrew McCabe, there was that day that Mueller gave his testimony. Very interesting. There was a recommendation for indictment for leaking high ranking official. Now, John Solomon has a brand new investigative piece out, and the headline is Fed's Gone Wild, DOJ's Stunning Inability to Prosecute Its Own Bad Actors. One was caught red-handed, engaged in nepotism. Another, a lawyer, no less, admitted to shoplifting at a marine barracks store. A third leaked sealed court information to the news media. Fourth engaged in fraud by turning a government garage into a personal repair shop. For many people, apparently, four cases uh, all solved in the past month. Suspects who cost taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars and significant breaches of public trust. Clearly, some of these are crimes, but these weren't your everyday perpetrators. All were Department of Justice employees who are supposed to catch other criminals while working for the FBI, the DEA, the U.S. attorney's offices. Instead, they broke the law. And all managed to escape prosecution despite their proven transgressions. Recent State uh, Justice Department disciplinary files tell an undeniable story. And under the leadership of the Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, DOJ's internal watchdog, is doing an outstanding job of policing bad conduct inside America's premier law enforcement agency. And the DOJ is doing a poor job of punishing its own. And that brings us to the case of which I am talking about, about leaking high-level individual recommending a criminal charge, and that was denied, something that probably wouldn't happen to any of you. Or if your last name was, let's say, Paul Manafort or General Flynn or, let's say, Michael Cohn or Roger Stone, 
Anyway, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. Hour two, John Solomon, executive vice president president for The Hill, investigative reporter Greg Jarrett, author of the number one bestseller, The Russia Hoax, Fox News legal analyst. Uh, John, this was your column. We'll start with you. Greg is very familiar with the IG's recommendation in that one particular case. And why do I suspect it could be somebody as high-ranking as O. McCabe, who, of course, now wants impeachment, but he's not biased against Trump at all. (laughs) Well, listen, it's been 15 months since the inspector general first referred Andrew McCabe uh, for possible investigation for lying and leaking. He did both things. He lied about leaking. uh, And nothing has happened in 15 months. To put that in perspective, in just a few short months, in five months, there were three separate people in the uh, Mueller's uh, Weissman investigation that were indicted for lying to prosecutors. So why does it take a short time to indict everyday Americans and it takes a long time to punish anyone at the end? A long time or maybe an impossible Never. task? Yeah, it may, it may not happen. That's the question that is raised in this article. We're about to enter the most important internal affairs investigation in recent Justice Department history, Bill Barr's investigation of everything involving Spygate Russia. And the question that will be there, if if it finds wrongdoing, will people really get punished? And if you look at the last month of internal affairs investigations by the IG, you find great investigations that found FBI agents shoplifting and DE agents uh, sending hundreds of thousands of dollars to their family illegally, uh, theft of money, essentially. Uh, you've got uh, all sorts of wrongdoing, documented, confirmed, admitted to. The, uh, none of the people are fired. Uh, one is reti- allowed to retire, the others continue to be employed by the U.S. Justice Department, and none are prosecuted, even though the, uh, they were referred for prosecution. It raises the question, can the Justice Department actually investigate and discipline itself? Why did I suspect that that criminal referral coming from the Inspector General's office on the day that Mueller spoke, which was which kind of buried the story, Greg Jarrett, is there any chance he was talking about Andrew McCabe? Well, it could be, and it should be, um, because, you know, Andrew McCabe is the kind of guy who proves the Peter Principle, the management uh, theory that people in a hierarchy tend to rise to the level of their own incompetence. And in McCabe's case, it's not just incompetence and ignorance of the law, it's malevolence. This is a man who just a few months ago was still saying he thinks the president of the United States is a Russian agent. Of course, he was trying to peddle his book, which is is nauseous to read, um, and trying to profit by his own wrongdoing. Uh, I mean, that's that's what it's come to with people like McCabe and uh, James Comey. You know, they engaged in rampant corrupt acts, and they're trying to profit by it. At the same time, they continue to appear on television shows on uh, MSNBC and CNN and elsewhere, and defame and smear the President of the United States, who engaged in no collusion. Uh, You know, it was the FBI and the Department of Justice that was colluding uh, with a foreign national, being funded by Hillary Clinton, feeding it all to the media to frame Donald Trump for something he didn't do. So this is unequal prosecution, selective enforcement of the law, and it needs to change when it comes to corrupt actors within our own law enforcement agencies. 
Do we know in any way, will we ever be able to find out, John, who was recommended by Horowitz to be indicted for well, leaking and they decided not we to? We do? We do know that they were a deputy assistant director. So we know they had the title of deputy assistant director. So if you go through the hierarchy, top is the FBI director, second is the deputy director. That was McCabe. Then there are a series of assistant directors, and then each of those assistant directors have their own top deputies. So this person was a deputy assistant director, clearly a senior person. They clearly worked in the uh, during the Comey-McCabe era, because the leaks in question are um, uh, during that time frame of 2016, when the Pete Stroke and um, uh, investigations of both Hillary Clinton and Russia collusion were going on. And we know one of the most serious offenses that was confirmed by the IG was this deputy assistant uh, director of the FBI leaked information that was under seal by a federal court, meaning they violated and were in contempt of the law by leaking something that a court had sealed. So that, that we know. Their identity, we don't know. There's about 25 to 30 deputy assistant directors, and so we don't know which one. But we know their rank, and we know the offenses that were confirmed. Do we have any them. idea? We know for McCabe. Do we know where it is with McCabe at this point? We don't. It's incredibly murky. Uh, you know, we, there was a very clear referral. He was clearly terminated. Uh, there's been plenty of documentation since that time to emerge that substantiated McCabe's wrongdoing. Uh, but there's no evidence of a grand jury, an indictment, or any of those sort of activities that would suggest at this moment he's moving towards some sort of criminal liability. So I think that's the question that uh, what, what Greg just said. Is there a dual system of justice? When people look at these cases, that's the first question that comes to mind. I don't think there's any doubt about it, but things seem to be changing and tra- changing now r- rather dramatically. We- we've got a delay on the inspector general's report, uh, Greg Jarrett, but we're being told apparently for good reason as the investigation into the FISA abuse is, uh, I am told, is going to be very, very brutally honest and tough. And I do believe there will be a lot of people implicated in terms of having broken laws, but it even runs deeper than that. And now we have a moment where John Durham uh, is now going to go and interview Christopher Steele. And we learned last week that the CIA top officials that could have been very well responsible for the phony dossier that they knew was phony and not verified and never corroborated uh, spread to the media to impact the 2016 election. Yeah, and I, I, I think we're just uh, realizing that the inspector general and the new Department of Justice under William Barr, uh, with the aid of John Durham, are, are, are just touching the tip of the iceberg and that there is such evidence of corruption below the surface that it's going to take a long while to swim through and dig through and sort it all out and hold people accountable. Um, And and so, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that the IG report is not going to be coming out right now, uh, and and perhaps it's held in abeyance pending the interview of Christopher Steele, who, as you and I have talked about on air, is a critical person. I mean, this is the guy who could say, I warned the FBI and the Department of uh, Justice that this was uncorroborated information um, and that they needed to go out and vet it themselves. Um, now, it doesn't explain why he was peddling it to the media and claiming that it you know, was verified, but if he warned everybody, and there's evidence of that, uh, then that makes the corrupt acts by James Comey and Andrew McCabe and all the others who signed off on the FISA warrant uh, appear criminal. 
Well, and I think that's where we're headed, and I I think this is going to be so comprehensive that I don't think anybody really has a full idea yet, and it's not going to be a dud like the Mueller report, which is was a dud, and I don't think expectations are set high if the rule of law is followed. I think everything, we we have enough evidence now on our own that we know that all of these things happen. As we continue with John Solomon, executive vice president, investigative reporter with The Hill, uh, Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, author of the number one bestseller, The Russia Hoax. Okay, so I I, I guess the hardest thing, I mean, I'm sure the Andrew McCabe's and James Comey's of the world are never going to speak any, you know, never going to shut up, um, which I think is very foolish, Greg Jarrett. But I see a lot of legal jeopardy. Going back to Hillary, a rigged investigation, then FISA, you know, premeditated fraud on a FISA court. We know that happened. Then illegal spying in a campaign and Russian information bought and paid for to rig the 2016 election, unverified, but still used for a warrant and still used to propagandize and misinform the American people before an election. Well, and don't forget uh, James Comey stealing government documents, presidential memos. The FBI had to do a spillage cleanup uh, of one of uh, the lawyers he gave the memos to. With James Comey, there is so much... uh, for the FBI and the Department of Justice and John Durham to investigate. And, you know, I think it's a shame because people like Comey and McCabe and uh, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, they have ruined the good name and reputation of all of the honest and honorable, hardworking people at the FBI. You know, 98% of them are are great people who keep us safe. You, to your credit, Sean, are always pointing that out, and it's important to remember it. Um, But it will take a decade uh, for the damage done to be fixed. But, well, but the point is, are they really going to be held accountable? Because if you read John's column, and I'll ask you, John, yep. there's an inability to prosecute their own. I'm like, okay, you can't have a, a two-tier justice system. Yeah, I think that's the question that's going to going to resonate until we see a, a punishment that's worthy of the crime. And so, you know, we should watch. These next six months are going to be dramatic. There's going to be new developments. I think there's going to be an important connection made in the American public quickly, and that is the leaking and the lying about leaking are going to be connected to the cheating. Uh, Greg did a great job in his book and on air several times of pointing out how they used the Mike Isakoff leak, which they knew came from Christopher Steele, to augment the Christopher Steele dossier and try to make it look more credible than it was. I'm going to break a new story this week that shows another instance in which the FBI used the leak, in which the government was involved in the leak, to try to gain authority to do something in the Russia investigation. It's going to be a new uh, threat, a new type of behavior. But I think this leaking and then lying to conceal the leaking is somehow connected to the effort to cheat these courts, the FISA court and the courts that issued search warrants. I think that's going to be a pattern that could result in the sort of action or criminality that that we're all been looking for. I got to let you both go here. We'll have you both on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, as we do the as we continue our investigation of the investigators. All right. Poll numbers, poll numbers everywhere. Do they even mean a thing? I argue, no, they do not. Not at this point. Our news roundup information overload hour and much, much more coming up straight ahead as we continue. Exposing left-wing media bias. No stone left unturned. The Sean Hannity Show is back on the air. My polls show that I'm winning everywhere. I don't know. We've, we've all seen these reports that with 15 out of 17 states, you spent $2 million on a poll and you're behind in 15 out of 17 states. Nobody showed you those polls because those polls don't exist, George. Those polls don't exist. But I just had a meeting with somebody that's a pollster, and I'm winning 
everywhere. So I don't know what you're talking. So you you don't feel like you're behind right now. You're not fighting for behind. I haven't even started yet, but uh, we're getting tremendous polls. So Joe Biden appears to be the front runner in virtually all the polls. Um, do you think he has sufficiently answered the accusations from women who accused him of inappropriate touching? Does he, in short, does he get it? Um, I think that's something that he has to kind of show the electorate. I think that uh, I. You know, I, I think that it is an issue where there is a struggle, I'll be completely honest. I don't think that he has, um, I don't, I wouldn't say that it is an incredibly severe, like I don't think that voters think that he is necessarily guilty of sexual misconduct or anything like that. Um, but I do think that there may be some discomfort um, especially seeing some clips this week and, you know, the week before, telling a 13-year-old, telling her brothers to watch out for her. And, and All right, there, I'm kind of laughing at this because there's the leader of the Democratic Party, Ocasio-Cortez. Of course, Nancy Pelosi is speaker in name only. And uh, as I listen, I'm, I'm kind of chuckling to myself because... You know, she hates Biden. It is clear. Even Biden felt all the pressure. He had to jump on the new Green Deal bandwagon himself and offer some ridiculous, what, six trillion dollars over however many years to get us to be oil and, and gas free. And, and it just his policy made no sense. I think 2040 or 50 was what he was looking at um, just to appease this radical new base of the Democratic Party. Um, you look at the polls now, whatever the president saw or didn't see, uh, I look at polls by people that I trust the most. Uh, two of them are with us now, John McLaughlin, pollster strategist, and Matt Towery, who kind of retired in 2012, but he's full of crap because he doesn't retire. He sends me the best notes with the greatest analysis, uh, especially on states like Georgia, Florida, and, and really important uh, swing states. Uh, we do have John's brother, Jim, but that's rare that he ever shows up. He does work supposedly in polling, but, you know, I've never seen the guy. Um, welcome all of you to the program. By the way, Sean, I got to tell you, as far as Jim goes, Linda will vouch for him. You know, you know if you get Linda on this, you now have three McLaughlins. So it's, <laughs> it doesn't. Well, Linda shows up on time like you do. Your brother barely ever shows up on time. Oh, With all due Jim. respect Jim to Jim, just, I mean, Jim just can't ever get over that. No, Jim can't get over being late for my show. Down. No, it, and not showing up another day. No, he's never going to get. Oh, he's never going to downplay that. All right, so uh, John, let me start with you because you poll for the Prime Minister of Israel, Bibi Netanyahu. Right. You, right. you you poll for the president, Donald Trump. You have polled for controversial figures over the course of your career, like Jesse Helms in North Carolina. And, right. you know, I would argue and tell me where I'm wrong, that I don't think the president is your typical politician that will ever poll the, in any traditional sense of the word. I think there is an outlier effect that nobody could ever really put their fingers on um i know that people in the past historically have talked about the bradley effect that wouldn't apply here but maybe some trump effect if you will um a little bit of a phenomenon that he's never gonna pull what he's really at that's my strong belief and i'd say six to seven points would be the number your thoughts i, I think no, I think you're exactly right. You saw this in 2016 when, you know, you and I were saying he could win and the exit polls were wrong. Right up until election night, the exit polls were wrong. And what it is, is it's built in in two ways. One is there's a media bias and, and more so this president 
than any other political figure I've ever polled for before. I mean, where uh, basically the media, 90% of the coverage is negative, and now they take it to the polls. And they know if they do polls, there's 240 million eligible voters in the country. 90 million didn't vote in the last election. Only a, it was a record. It was a record turnout of 139 million, of which uh, Trump got out 9 million more voters, particularly in these key states and the electoral states, to win. And the polls now are about their adults. I mean, there was a poll of adults done by YouGov uh, over the weekend, The Economist, or last week, where 39% had never voted in a presidential race before. So they poll adults. And they poll people who are registered voters but may not vote. And the real polls, the best polls are of likely voters where you're calling off a list. And Matt and Jim will tell you this is very expensive. You've got to buy a sample. You've got to know who you're calling. It means that you've got to make a lot more phone calls to be able to get to the people. So it's, it's a more accurate way of polling. And 99.9% of the campaign polls that we do are never released because it's, it's secret information that the candidate wants to use to set strategy. But going back to your original question, the president's numbers are, are better than the media certainly makes because the polls are skewed and biased. And then they try to make a, a stories attacking the Trump campaign about our polls, and we're doing much better uh, you know, than, than certainly the media is saying. And the president is right. And you know, we're just going to have to prove him wrong and beat him again next year in, in November 2020. Matt, I, uh, will you stop saying, please, and I say this with all due love and affection because I've known you. But I mean, we were there together the night Newt Gingrich became Speaker of the House. Yes, and sure. and you, you telling me every time I talk to you, you're retired, I want to like, yeah, right, sure, Matt, sure, Matt. You know, yeah, right. I mean, you're convincing yourself, but it's not, it's really not working out well for you, is it? Um, well, but, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the boats and say, Pete, although I'm going to be in Orlando tomorrow for the president's announcement, so I'm not totally retired. Uh, but, 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 you know, I want to follow up on what, what John was saying. So I used to, as you know, John, I polled four media organizations. And one of the problems with these media organizations is they get all of these academicians and people who think they know so much about polling who create the standards that they want. And suddenly the standards that they want are, are, are the complete opposite of the standards that we use to poll a real live political race. For example, John mentioned you got to get the likely voters. A lot of times they don't do that. They have a ridiculously high threshold for cell phone voters. Cell phone voters you need, but if you overlay on them, you skew young and you skew heavily Democrats. They don't weight their polls properly. They're looking at a, at a turnout model that's Barack Obama 2012 rather than a Donald Trump turnout of 2016. And I could give a list on and on and on. I looked at some of the media polls today. They're a joke. They're absolutely a joke. So John is completely right. There is a built-in bias against Donald Trump, and we're never going to see that really dealt with until we get to Election Day 2020. And it'll be just like when you and I talked on Election Day back in 2016, and the turnout is higher, as John alluded to, and we're hearing about this massive wave. And then they're all going to come on. By the way, the exit polls will show the president losing again. Let me make that prediction. And they'll be proven wrong again, I believe. Because I, I, be I look, I'm, I'm well. with you. All right, Jim, I'm, I'm not being a pain in your neck. We love you, but um, <laughs> you're, you're, we kind of do. But uh, you, your brother's you know a lot better at timeliness, and your brother's a little bit, you know, more engaged and has more urgency than you do. That's all I'll say. <laughs> 
you, you know what he, you know what's a good part about that though is in real life I'm the one who's always on time. He's the one who's late. <laughs> in real life, so, so, so real life it wouldn't be the Hannity show, uh, really. But, you know, why don't you dig you know a, a deeper grave for yourself, and I'll never invite you back on the program. That's the way we'll end this. <laughs> but let's. I want to follow up on something that both Matt and John were just talking about. Think back to 2018. I look at 2018 was a huge missed opportunity for us in the midterm elections. Especially, I think we could have picked up a few more Senate seats, and we definitely shouldn't have lost uh, as many congressionals as we did. Why? Because 70% of Americans said that uh, we had a good economy. The biggest problem we had in 2018 was we didn't have Donald Trump on the top of the ticket like we did in 2016. And what happened was a lot of these Trump voters stayed home. That's not going to happen in 2020. And you look at it with all the successes he has on the economy. He's got with destroying ISIS and whatnot. That's going to rev up the Republicans. And think about this. Look at this comparison. When Joe Biden does an event out in Iowa, what does he get? 80, maybe 85 people show up. The former vice president of the United States. Look what's going on with Donald Trump's announcement. You've got 20,000 people sold out. You've got people waiting on lines. He's attracting people. He's attracting excitement. And I don't see whether it's Joe Biden or any of the Democrats. I don't think Joe Biden's going to win the nomination, by the way, at the end of the day. None of them are creating the enthusiasm. Well, wait, if you don't think it's Biden, who do you think it's going to be? I'm not sure, but it's going to be one of the crazy liberals. And that's the biggest problem you have right now, is you're going to have some Democrat that wins that Democratic primary that's going to be out of touch with mainstream America. Because think about it. Think about what they want to do. They want to raise your taxes. They want open borders. They want national government-run health care. Those are things that are the opposite of what mainstream America wants. All right, quick break. Right back. John McLaughlin, his brother Jim, who rarely shows up, and Matt Towery as we look at the poll numbers for 2020 and what they really mean. All right, as we continue with John McLaughlin, Jim McLaughlin, Matt Towery, our pollsters. All right, so who do you think, John, if you had a guess today? And, and I know you're very focused in Israel, but I'll be honest. I think now that this this stupid, idiotic case is, is put behind the prime minister's wife, um, I, I would expect, even though they had problems with the formation of a government, he won handily in the last election. But the people, I think, in Israel... If, if we want to keep this Ch- Churchillian figure on the world stage, which we desperately need, and there's never been a better relationship in Israel than with Donald Trump as president and Prime Minister Netanyahu as prime minister, look at Golan Heights, look at the, the you know, the, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, the capital. Um, these are big issues, and but people need to really not vote for the smaller conservative parties. They, need, they really need to stick with Likud. No, you're exactly right on that. You have very good sources in Israel. And by the way, Donald Trump is the most popular figure that I'm polling in Israel. In fact, yesterday, uh, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu went to the Golan Heights and they announced the name, changing the name of a community to Trump Heights in, in the Golan. But, uh, uh, but you're right. There's no one of the stature or of the credibility for international relations or meeting the threat of now Iran says they're going to start doing their nuclear program again and they're clearly blowing up these ships in the Gulf. So uh, uh, to keep them safe in these dangerous times, there's no one else that compares to Prime Minister Netanyahu. How is the... the, Mm -hmm. uh, Well, go ahead. Finish your thought on BBs. 
race? Uh, I was, I was. You could ask about BB because I was going to tell you who I think might win <laughs> these days for the Democrats. Okay, who's no? Here's what I want to know though. We have the best employment situation since 1969. I was eight years old. The New York Mets won the World Series. Okay, we have record low unemployment for all these groups that were hurt under Biden Obama. And that is, you know, 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, worst recovery since the 40s, lowest home ownership rate in 51 years, lowest labor participation rate since the 70s, doubled our debt and never reached 3% GDP. Now, Trump, record low unemployment, African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, and again, every other record shattered. If peace and prosperity win elections and then Russia happened under Biden-Obama, and they did nothing but people like Devin Nunes warned him years earlier that Putin, the jerk that he is, would do it. Um, how did they not get held responsible for that? Well, well, first of all, first of all, in that litany of things that you mentioned, you know, I didn't hear George Stephanopoulos mention all those things in his interview with because the president. Jo- because weekend. he's a Clinton sycophant. I mean, well, why this me- guy even got this interview is my... By the way, the, you know how low the ratings are in this thing? I saw it last night, an hour special. When Donald Trump calls my show on the phone, my ratings are higher than what they got on ABC last night. <laughs> Absolutely. I, no, no, no. But, 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 I'm, I am serious. They, that's yes. how bad it was. Yes, but the challenge for us is getting all those facts out that you just mentioned for the president, because he will win. The one who's moving up in the polls and and polls last week is Elizabeth Warren, because she's good. I want to run against Elizabeth Warren. If this is about choice, socialism, redistribution and, you know, and and capitalism, free markets, wealth creation, energy independence, we're going to win. I don't see what it should be about, Matt. Exactly. And that's. I, That's what I you want to do if you're the president. You you want to make this about an issues contrast because exactly what you were talking about, Sean, when it comes to the most important issues of the day, keeping us safe from terrorism, the economy, jobs, taxes, Donald Trump has a clear advantage on this. And then the Democrats are all saying, oh, you know, we beat the Republicans on health care in 18. All the Democrats that are running for president right now, they want to repeal and replace Obamacare. They're the ones running against Obamacare right now because they because they know that Obamacare is unpopular among the American people right now. All right, guys, thank you all for being with us. Uh, John, Jim, McLaughlin, Matt Towery, who's, who's retired, uh-huh. Um, thank you all for being with us. By the way, you wrote a great column on Kellyanne that's on Newsmax. People need to read it. The, the double standard in her case is nauseating, um, and it's just part of the hate Trump psychosis. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of the program. Our news roundup coming up, then Laura Trump and Amy Kramer will check in with us straight ahead. For our final news roundup and information overload. Pelosi, though, Speaker Pelosi has really held her line on this. Um, How is that flying with progressives? Well, you know, I think for me, this question has should not be about polls. It should not be about elections. Um, I think that that impeachment is is incredibly serious. And this is about the presence and evidence that the president may have committed a crime in this case, more than one. And so I believe that that our decision on impeachment should be based in our constitutional responsibilities and duties and not in elections or polling. That being said, with the increase in polls, I think the American people are now recognizing uh, 
in in a much broader scale, the depth and the severity of the misconduct coming out of the White House and uh, a demand to protect our institutions and protect the rule of law in the United States and, and at least opening an inquiry into uh, into possible misconduct. So how real is that progressive frustration that Speaker Pelosi has said, at least so far, and she seems to be really holding the line that she's not ready to do that? I think it's quite real. Um, I believe that there is a, a very real animus and desire to make sure that we are um, that that we are holding this president to account. What, what have you told her about this? Well, you know, I think we come together as a caucus and we have these conversations and uh, those as as the speaker likes to say, they are family conversations. They are ones that are held in confidence. But I do believe that um, that this is truly again, and I've said this publicly, I've said it privately, I've said it when we subpoenaed the Attorney General and, and Secretary Ross today on the census, I mean this week on the census, that uh, this is about the rule of law and uh, we have to make sure that we, that we are holding this president account is holding all of government to account. You're saying you, women of America, you don't deserve bodily autonomy. We can force you to take that, pre that pregnancy to term, even if it was conceived from rape or incest, even if you will die in childbirth. We have the highest, we have the highest maternal mortality rate in the industrialized world. I mean, it's shocking. So you're telling America's women, you don't have human rights. You don't have civil rights. You don't have bodily autonomy. And you don't have agency over the most important decision you will make. One out of four women in America access abortion services. Most of the women who do are already mothers. So you're making a decision about, can I survive this pregnancy? Is this a pregnancy that is possible for me to take to term? These are personal decisions. They're health care decisions. They're economic decisions. They're moral decisions. And a woman has a right to make all those decisions. And if you are telling me today that you, women in America don't have that right, I think you're so backward looking that, you, that those judges and justices are not the type of people we should be appointing. Because it's I, too I, backward looking. Uh, how to deal with him because you see what he does is he projects like when he says Nancy's a mess that means he's a mess <laughs> when he says Nancy's nervous that means he's nervous he's always projecting he's disowning his own you know, somebody doesn't have stamina it's always about him he's always talking about himself no matter who the subject of the sentence is it's always about him I mean I have people I mean really there has to be an intervention here but that's a <laughs> I don't recommend that any candidate for president well, make that intervention. An intervention well the thing is is that I respect the office of president of the United States Sometimes I think I respect it more than the person holding the office right now. News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Of course, that was uh, Nancy Pelosi. And I'm listening to all these. They cannot get over it. Linda, the other day, we did this more on TV because it had happened during the day. Remember Biden had, what, 85 people show up at the one event in Iowa? And, sure and you know Philly. Remember when he did the Philly event? There were, what, a couple of thousand? And they had room for, what, 150,000? They sure did. The president is announcing that he's running for re-election in Orlando tomorrow, there are, as of now, nearly 150,000 people that want to get into that arena. There are people standing and, and in they, line, Sean. They're in line already. They're, they're, I know. This is the point. 
and Joe Biden can't get 85 people. I mean, I'm sitting in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, even though he did everything she wants. You know, the Biden New Green Deal is worse than her New Green Deal because he's he's like, OK, I'm going to do a new Green Deal that'll take effect in 2050. And, and then Ocasio-Cortez calling him out about being creepy with touching everybody. I nearly died. And they're all afraid of Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, you can't make this stuff up. By the way, do you have, what do you think of me as press secretary? Do you like the idea? I mean, I love it. I think it's fantastic. I literally would not be able to handle you being able to shut down the fake news every day from a podium. Well, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't even talk to them. I mean, how, how, do you, how do you have a conversation where I'd say, I don't like you. You've lied until you apologize. I'm not taking your question until you apologize. I'm not taking your question. I'll come out there. You know, the Hannity list that I always put up. I'll right. do. We'll do our dossiers on everyone. We'll, we'll bring our whole team with us. We'll do the dossier on every one of the the reporters and we're going to give them a list of everything that they've said that's fake news over the last two years and when you apologize i'll call on you that means i won't have to ever call on anybody yeah but i also think i remember you saying when they were really really nasty first to sean spicer and obviously sarah sanders scaramucci right i mean each time you were like why are we doing this why are we doing this the president does not need to speak to the press corps he doesn't he doesn't need it they, right. they manipulate the words anyway. So you might as well just go right to the people. Forget about the press corps. He doesn't need them at all. Now, in terms of uh, here's what nobody seems to know about why the swamp is the swamp. Why do we call it the swamp? The, this culture in D.C. And, and it's sort of like people in New York that want to be in the club and they're part of this group and that group and that this and, that, you know. I don't know. I mean, I'm just so distant from that. Aren't you proud of me, by the way, that I've never been to a Washington Correspondence Dinner 30 years on air? Not one. I mean, one. it's definitely a record for sure. I'm like, I don't want to go. Yeah, because you're like staying them. true to your audience. Right. And the president, when the president decides, no, I'd rather hold a rally with the people. That's where my head is. That's why I never went. I don't want to hang out with people in a room that I know hate me. And by the way, and I don't have respect for them. Every night, I'm not calling them the media. It doesn't mob. matter. It's just a big selfie party, anyway. It's everybody taking pictures of each other with each other's phones. Oh, you're, it's, it's you're ridiculous. so right. So Jimmy Acosta, I want to go back to this from last week. So he he's try, He was begging. Now you you can tell the audience more of the backstory than I can. So I got I was in a meeting at TV. I don't know a few weeks back, and they said, "Oh, by the way, Jim Acosta is requesting to be on your TV show." Kind of, you know me, I'm doing 10 things at once. I picked up my head and I said, what did you just say? You know, fake news, Jim. Over at fake news, CNN wants to be on your show because he wrote a book. And I said, okay, you seriously want me to consider this? They said, no, but we thought you'd want to know. They're kind of at a point where they're begging to be on. And I said, let them beg a little longer. Don't give them a definitive answer. But I mean, so so Molly Hemingway, she's so awesome this weekend on Twitter. I don't know if you saw she put out a tweet about you and she's, you know, Acosta puts out this tweet saying, you know, that he was uh, thought you and another host were completely ridiculous because, you know, you didn't have the audacity to get up in his face when everybody was on the bus at the Russia summit. And I'm thinking to myself, so a bunch of professional people on a bus and you thought that another talk show host should get in your face. And yell at you. But this is an actual excerpt out of his book that he writes about you in his book. And Molly Hemingway goes, 
And it's just so poorly written. My God. And I just started dying laughing. I'm like, you know, you're putting these things on Twitter from your book. But Linda, Linda. It's pathetic. Linda, I don't remember ever meeting him. You didn't meet him. He was in the back of the bus and he was sad you didn't come back and say hello. Well, 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 hang on a second. So what does he expect that I'm going to do? Jim Acosta, you're an ass. Right, exactly. Exactly. news. Now, I happen to be, and you know this, as a matter of fact, that same trip, you t- correct me if I'm wrong, because he's talking about Helsinki? Correct. Okay, we have a tradition, right? And the tradition is that at some point during a trip abroad, or any trip, really, even, you know. Yeah, whenever the whole team is together. Whenever the whole team is there. And by the way, that includes the cameramen. That includes it's the everybody. stage managers. Everybody. That includes producers. That includes talent. That includes other show shows we always bring. And what do I do? You do a huge dinner and you pay for everything. Yeah, and by the way, all right, so we're in Helsinki, correct me if I'm wrong, because you remember this, because you have the mind of an elephant, remember details that are irrelevant to me. Oh Well, but I remember what's, to me, important and wasn't that important. Wasn't there in the table next to us, while we were debating whether or not we were going to eat... Uh, Rudolph Tata. Oh God, that was so gross. I would no. I was on my game, and I was being really funny because so one gross. of the staple, one of the staple foods in Helsinki is reindeer. So I'm I'm there, and I'm and by the way, people ordered reindeer at the table. I'm like, I'm not eating Rudolph. You guys eat Rudolph. I can't do it. I don't I know. On that one, man, that was pretty gross. Um, I think I did. I might have ended up trying it, but just to prove that I would, but. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't there a next table, a bunch of CNN people? Yeah. Fake news CNN were. people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have any recollection of any of the on-air people there? I don't remember. I mean, the person that stuck out the most, because I didn't actually realize that it was CNN people until I took like a closer look. And there was a few people that I recognized. One of them was Jeff Zeleny, because um, I always remember his question. Okay. I remember him. He used to be, enchanted. he used to work for one of the papers, right? remember what paper he was at honestly jeff zeleny forever goes down in my memory as mr enchanted during these first 100 days what has surprised you the most about this office (laughs) enchanted you the most about serving in this office humbled you the most and troubled you the most now let me write this down Surprised, uh, troubled. I've got, uh, what what was the first one? Surprised. Surprised. Troubled. Troubled. Enchanted. Enchanted. And humbled. And what was the last one? Humbled? Uh, Humbled. Thank you, sir. McHugh, can you even picture that? Oh, for Trump? For Trump. No. Forget about it. It's never going to happen. And when I give out my bonuses to my staff every year, what do I say to everybody? I give them a lecture, right? What do I say? Money equals freedom. Save your money. I tell everybody, take this money like you didn't get it and put it in the bank. All right, continuing news roundup information. over. Why would I put this guy on the number one show in cable when he works on the lowest rated network in cable, put put his fake news book in front of my audience and bore them with that? I'm not going to do it. All right, so so if I remember you or somebody pointed out, oh, those guys work for CNN yeah. and that's Jeff Zeleny. And I, what did I do? What I, what would I always do? What I did, what I always would do. And what's that? You get up and you play host. Yeah. And I walked over and I said, hi, how are you? We're their colleagues. They were, we work in the same business and I try to be nice, gracious. Now, some of these people aren't nice to me, but I don't they care. But, um, and I remember because I sent drinks over, didn't I? And Christian Amanpour was there too, I remember. 
I don't. Re- I don't remember that part. I, I, I remember sending over drinks, but if I'm wrong, tell me. I, I'm 99 percent oh, no, no, no. sure. You sent over drinks. Okay, and then I think I said I sent over more drinks. Yeah, you sent over a lot. You spent that a lot dinner of money. became the biggest deal in Helsinki because they're they're big paper there. Remember, we got the top fold for that very dinner. Well, no, the next day, yeah. Right. So the next day, you I know, was shocked. We, I, I mean, it was like I got in my hotel room. I got the local uh, paper from from Helsinki, and it was like. Sean Handy, you know, American Talk News, yada, 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 leaves 100% tip on bill at fancy Finland, you know, restaurant, yada, yada, and pays for colleagues. Um, and it was a whole it was a whole thing. It was the front story of the paper. Because okay, when but we got there, if you remember, I remember it was, I was I was getting annoyed just like I was getting annoyed in Vietnam because I couldn't leave because they could didn't they don't didn't know how to manuf they didn't know how to. Accept the tip. <laughs> That's basically what it is. Well, I mean, they knew they were waiting on CNN. They weren't expecting one. Uh, well, I don't know what they did or didn't do, but but just because I'm in a different country, look, I wash dishes. I everyone knows this. I was a cook. I was a a busboy, waiter, bartender. I just know from that life that they work so hard to give you a great dinner, and then they're making their money on your tip. And I ended up doing it, and then we got the front page of the paper, top fold. Very, very nice of them. So I was nice to everybody. Would, I, would you ever imagine, even if I ran into Jimmy Acosta, what, was I, what am I going to say? I hate you. You're an idiot. Well, or I would just you... flip the script on Jimmy. Like, oh, Jimmy, well, how come you didn't come up and say hi to Sean Hannity? Right. I, there Why you go. does he need to come to you? I never saw him on the bus. I don't know. Really, I barely. I do remember the bus, but barely. I do remember being on the scooter in Vietnam. That I don't remember. I think everyone remembers that. I think everybody remembers that because I I couldn't move. And and we do have these great trips and everybody works so hard and a lot of hours. And I how many times have I always said on the air that talent are way overpaid? I just to me, it's just the right thing to do. You've always been a share of the wealth guy. But I think that most guys who work very hard and, and come from nothing and make something often do that. I don't wouldn't know how to be any other way. So our, not my slogan, our slogan, this is a team, our new slogan will be, and you know, this is on the assumption it happens, which I'm almost positive, can never be 100% sure, I never like to go too far in advance, but let's assume it's going like it's going, by the way, if we coasted for two and a half years, we did a hell of a job, you know that, in fact, I was telling some of the guys, let's just coast, because the stock market is up almost 40% since election day. Think of that. Almost 40%. Think of that. But our new slogan, when we start running in, can you believe it, two years from now, is going to be, keep America great, exclamation point. Keep America great. But we can only do that if we elect people who are going to back our agenda and fight for our values. All right, that was from last year, but the big announcement tomorrow, Orlando, the president expected to, in fact, announce he is running for a second term, and uh, which is exciting, and that probably, likely, I'd bet a lot of money is probably going to be the slogan. Um, it's fascinating to watch. You got all these, I don't even know half the people that are trying to get the nomination. All I know is whether it's Biden, whether it's Mayor Pete, which 
Hey, I never knew you could have such a bad record as he does in South Bend, Indiana. It's hilarious. It's that bad. And then you got, of course, socialist, communist Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and all these other people, you know, crazy, creepy Uncle Joe. I don't think he's getting past the Ocasio-Cortez primary as she is now the Speaker of the House uh, in reality and truth, while Pelosi's speaker in name only um, just trashing him over the weekend. We played it earlier about his, you know, slimy sleazy groping stuff and then of course oh russia happened on his watch uh the mullahs in iran got 150 billion on his watch 13 million more americans are on food stamps on his watch 8 million more in poverty on his watch uh the worst recovery since the 40s on his watch the lowest home home ownership rate in 51 years on his watch lowest labor participation rate doubled the debt and, yeah, the only administration in history to never reach 3% GDP growth, ever. Uh, I'll run against that any day of the week. And, by the way, in his speech where he had 85 people in Iowa, I mean 85 people, there's 150,000 that want to show up in an arena that I think fits 20 or 30 tomorrow in Orlando. I mean, that's, that is the typical Trump event. And it's, it, listen, crowds are going to matter. Enthusiasm matters. Um, and then you got record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women in the workplace, uh, Asian-Americans, and youth unemployment. And the best employment situation since 1969. And the, for the first time in 75 years, we're energy independent. Wow, that's a pretty good record to run on. Joining us, Amy Kramer, chairwoman for Women for Trump. Uh, Laura Trump is with us. Of course, the daughter-in-law married to Eric Trump of uh, President Trump. And she, of course, is the, well, I, I guess you're the president of Trump 2020 campaign. Aren't, what is your official title? I don't even know. Hey, Sean, I'm a hey. senior advisor to the, the Trump 2020 re-election campaign, and we're excited to get it going. Yeah, and by the way, so she's on my show, just a little sidebar here, one night, and, you know, she's, I always ask to see pictures. She has a little boy, the cutest kid, the best pictures. The, I can't believe the kid is like a rock star already. Both Laura and, and Eric are, are tall, and you can see this kid's tall, big, strong, athletic, sitting in the president's chair in the Oval Office. And then, no, oh, she doesn't tell me that she's going to have number two until the next morning. I'm like, really? <laughs> I mean, I I'm like, we've been friends how long? Sean, we wanted to tell you so badly, oh. but we didn't want we didn't want any slip ups on the air that night. So we waited. But, but <laughs> yeah, you, you waited till you get away can... from me. <laughs> By the way, did no you, you guys got to see it. Do you know how bad Stephanopoulos' ratings were Friday night? Oh, well, you... that shouldn't really surprise anyone. Do you know when your father-in-law calls into my TV show, the ratings are higher and he's on a network? Do you know what a disaster yeah. that is? Well, I mean, you got to look at what's going on there. And I think the American people are tired of all the nonsense and all the fake news. And that's quite an outlet for it right there. So you got to know what you're dealing with, I guess. You know, uh, Amy, we've known each other. I remember our 2010 Tea Party rally and we yeah. had 20 or 30,000 people in the street that night, which was unbelievable. Absolutely. I'll never forget that night. And and you've been working so hard. And by the way, just a small admission here, her wonderful daughter Kylie works with us and she's part of Linda's team and is more loyal to Linda than me, like everybody else <laughs> in that room, which is annoying. Um, but seriously, you've been fighting the good fight now for a long time. When conservative principles are put in place, as the president has put them in place, Americans prosper. We're setting, again, the best employment scenario since 1969. 
the New York Mets won the World Series, and you probably weren't even born yet. Well, I actually, I wasn't, but I was right around the corner, Sean. But listen, this <laughs> president, when you want to talk about, um, you know, why Stephanopoulos, his ratings are so bad, and then you look at what's going on. I'm in Orlando right now, and it is storming so bad. The rain is slashing against the windows, and people are already lined up outside the Amway Center to see this president. Whoa, whoa. how many people, wait, wait a minute, this is not till tomorrow night. How many people are there now? I don't know how many people are here now, but it's been all over the news. And yesterday I, I saw the numbers. They said 106,000, and Laura can speak more to this because I'm not with the campaign, but 106,000 tickets and only 20,000 are allowed in. But there's a reason why, and it's promises made, promises kept. This president's going to be the first president in American history to go down because in history as the one who followed through on his promises. And that the American people respect that so much. And you went through all the stuff he's done. There's so much more. But that's why people love him there's not an i don't know of anybody else that could pull the crowds right now in our society that this man can and it's because they have well the only one that can is playing guitar or playing piano or has a band that's like the top in the world i mean that's that's honestly the truth that does not happen for a politician but that's what people love about him he's a disruptor and an iconoclast right he is and you know people say all the time what happened to the tea party movement we're still here we laid the groundwork for donald trump and he was elected in 2016 and i think it's going to be a landslide in 2020 and we're focused on bringing more conservatives to washington to make sure that we have the people in there to support his american agenda i can't believe i'm going back and saying it but i mean just as important is we have to take that gavel out of nancy pelosi's hands um this election cycle and so we're out here doing the groundwork and getting people excited and like i said i do believe it's going to be a landslide because this man is amazing and he does not back down and i will tell you as we've gone across the country and done these events with women the one thing i hear is the more he fights the more we love him he actually fights back and that is so refreshing it's funny laura the only thing some people say is just a little bit maybe not so much on twitter and i'm like what do you want him to do it's the same guy that's negotiating trade deals that he promised negotiating and going to war to build the wall to protect us from drugs cartels gangs and and those that that would bring harm to the country and the same guy that fought to make us energy independent and give us the lowest tax the biggest tax cuts we've ever had and create jobs i said what do you want do you want him to turn it off at night and be a different person that's just not who he is no it's not who he is at all actually people should find it very refreshing that what you see with donald trump is what you get you know so oftentimes we see these politicians who give us one part of them in front of the camera, show us one face, and then they turn around and we know they're totally different. You never have to guess with Donald Trump because he lays it all out there and he's unapologetic about it. He's the same guy today that he was 30 years ago. He's saying the same things that he said 30 years ago, yet he's now in a position to fix them. So we're in a much better place as a country. Um, But why would you ever want him to get rid of Twitter? I hear it too. But you know what? It's who he is and he's unapologetic about it. It's sometimes his only outlet because the the fake news media filter will oftentimes misconstrue things and take things out of context, and he can't properly get his message across to the American people. So let him keep Twitter. You never have to wonder what he's thinking. And I know, but you know, I mean, really refreshing thing. He doesn't need a press secretary, Laura. He doesn't. 
I mean, he, he walks out to the helicopter and stops nearly every time. But that's the guy that you're getting, you know, and, and like Amy said, and I just have to say, Amy is incredible. And on all the work that you're doing, Amy is wonderful. Oh, thank you, We Lord. so appreciate it from the campaign. <laughs> but but people like that and people want a fighter. We were so we were on an apology tour for the United States for eight years before Donald Trump. Finally, we're standing up for ourselves and it's making a big difference to the morale of this country. It's making a big difference when it comes to jobs coming back to this country. It means something to people and people like that. So let them keep tweeting. Absolutely. 100%. I want to know what my president's thinking. I'd rather it be out there front and center than to have, you know, him leaning over to Putin and whispering something in his ear, you know, right for the election or whatever. We've been down that road. We've had the, the president that is you know, iconic and he can speak so eloquently and he reads the teleprompter. But what results do we get out of that? Not, I mean, nothing. We got nothing out of it. I'd much rather have a president that he may be brash. You may not like what he says, but the man delivers. It's results-oriented. He delivers. And thank God for President Donald J. Trump. Absolutely 100% support him. So as you look forward to the, this 2020 race, Laura, and you and Eric and the family, and you guys have been through a lot in two years years, but the bottom line is four separate investigations have exonerated not only the president, but the family and everybody else. That's dead. And a lot of what I've discussed about deep state abuse of power and corruption is true. And and the curtain has just gone up but on what I call act two. But what is the what are the main themes for 2020 as of now? Well, I mean, I think it's continuing the great prosperity we've seen all across this country, the jobs that this president has been been able to bring back that don't forget our previous president and his vice president, Joe Biden, who's now in the running for uh, being the president of the United States, said the jobs were gone. They were never coming back. Um, listen, he wants to fix health care. He wants uh, infrastructure. He wants to fix our broken immigration system. These are things he talked about from day one when he was downstairs at Trump Tower after he came down the escalator. He talked about them then. He didn't have a script that day. He was speaking from the heart and as an American and saying, these are things we need to fix. So, listen, Congress has played games with him. They're trying to stop him at every turn. But for, with a second term in office, I think we're going to see all of those things happen. The wall is being built. We're going to build it bigger. It's going to get longer. So uh, he's he's got a lot that he wants to do for this country. But I mean, if you think about what he's done in two and a half years with all the obstruction and all the resistance from everybody out there, it's pretty amazing to see. And think about what would happen if we all worked together. Well, I, you know, I just don't think that's the case because I think the people on the left, I just got this before me. You have Trump supporters lining up for a campaign kickoff more than 40 hours before the rally, there are almost at 150,000 requests for 20, 25,000 people inside. And I guess the campaign is now apparently making arrangements that the people outside will still be able to see what's going on inside because the overflow. I don't see, you know, sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe doing that. Amy Kramer. No, he's not. He's not even filling up a room. I mean, come on. This is amazing. This is going to be an, uh, a, an event to remember of our lifetimes. I'm so excited to be here and be part of it. And I want to say one thing, Sean, just to echo that all the things that Laura was talking about, this administration's um, done. One of the untold stories of this administration is the great work that Ivanka Trump is doing in the administration. We just saw criminal justice reform. She's fighting for women um, day in and day out. And and she's doing it behind the scenes. And 
the work on the opioid crisis and human trafficking. So women, I'm seeing women come together. We're going to see a lot of women in, here in Orlando. People are coming all across the southeast. I know people are coming from across the country. We're actually holding a kickoff party tonight, Women for Trump, at Westgate um, Resorts here in Orlando, Westgate Lake Resorts. And um, if anybody wants to get out of the rain and come join us tonight, and then, of course, the big shindig tomorrow night, it's going to be epic, Sean. I can't wait. And Joe Biden, he just needs to take a nap. And Laura Trump, you'll be down there, I assume, with the family. And uh, by the way, I'll have the president and get higher ratings on Wednesday night when he calls into my show because he's going to be busy tomorrow night. I'm sure an exciting time for you because you've been working on this now almost from day one. Yeah, no, we're really excited. The whole family's planning to be there. I'll be there seven months pregnant and all to, to be a part you of this girl. because it is. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> That's awesome, it's so by the way. epic. Yeah. Do we know if it's a boy really or a girl excited. or am I, are you going to break that on fake news CNN or something? Oh, of course. I would go to CNN, John. Please. No, I know what it is, but I, I haven't made it public yet. So. Okay. Well, we know. the good the it's good news is the, the baby's health. Your little boy is going to have a sibling and yep. um, and you're, everyone's, you know, safe, healthy, happy, secure, which is all you really want as a parent ever. So we'll be watching tomorrow. The president will be on Wednesday night on Hannity. Thank you all for being with us. Amy Kramer, Laura Trump. Thank you both. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, more deep state investigative reporting as we have Greg Jordan Seculo tonight. Also polls. Do they matter? Does Donald Trump poll like any other candidate? Carl Rove, Ari Fleischer weigh in. Mike Huckabee checks in tonight. And Lawrence Jones hit the streets of New York at one of these impeachment rallies. The vile, vicious, horrific treatment he received. We've got it on tape. Tonight at 9, Hannity, Fox News. We'll see you then. Thanks for being with us back here tomorrow.